Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. Tonight, we have another great show ahead of you for tonight. We're going to break down a little bit of the Chargers game and a look ahead at the week three matchup against the banged up Cleveland Browns. Sammy, start us up. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, 94 yards, touchdown Titans! He is the baddest man in the NFL, and he just took her to the house. The Sickest Tennessee Titans Podcast. It's going to be sick. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. We got the man back from Nashville in one piece. Then, how was the birthday weekend? How was the bachelor party? How was the game? Tell me everything about Nashville this weekend. Um, well, to respect the privacy of some of my friends, I will not <laughs> tell you everything that went down. Uh, we probably need an attorney present, but it was a lot of fun, of course. You know, uh, we ripped Broadway for a few days. We did Honky Tonks. We did Kid Rock's Bar, Aldean's, Old Red, Barstool Bar. Um, went to the Assembly Food um, place where they have just a gazillion different, you know, vendors in one place. Giant food hall. Uh, went to Martin's for some barbecue. Phenomenal. Shout I out got, Martin's. I love that place, man. Uh, went to Prince's um, Fried Chicken in the Assembly. Um, food hall was very good. A great time. Um, came back in one piece. I'm still catching up on some sleep, though, for sure. But it was it was well worth it for my last, um, my last bash. And um, the game Sunday was the icing on the cake. We took care of business and it wasn't looking promising um, from the start. I think we had seven total yards in the first quarter. We were down 11 points. Tannehill, excuse me, looked abysmal. I'll admit I was screaming to bench him and I kind of had some support. Um, so was your so was your uh, your Twitter account too, by the way, because you got a lot of heat on that post that yeah. picture that you posted. I don't know why, man. People don't know your personality yet. It's yeah. crazy, but uh, whatever. I mean, clearly, I was like half joking, half not, yeah. but. I was also in a state of mind where, um, you know, I, I might not have been thinking that clearly, but it's all in fun. And listen, Sal said it in his post game last week. Of course, we want Tannehill to succeed. I want nothing more for him than to put up gaudy numbers and take us to a deep playoff run. But he's done nothing as of recent to prove that. And this game Sunday, hopefully, was him turning the page on the last, yep. um, the, the end of last year and the beginning of this year. 
Um, because he turned it on in the second half, and there's some people out there saying that I might have just revitalized his season and possibly his career. So, <laughs> hope so. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate you. Um, you know, you asking about it. It was a great success. The trip. There was no arrests, no hospital visits, and um, you know, we're we're we're, uh, we're on the Cleveland, as uh, Belichick would like to say. We're on the Cincinnati. We're on the Cleveland. Well, before we get to Cleveland, I really want to. I really want your take on the game. What your thoughts of um, the defense was? Um, obviously, you said the offense scared you a little bit in the first quarter. It scared me after the first three drives because you know everybody started saying the thing on, on Twitter. Oh, I think it's time. I think it's time. But me, as a, as a seventeen supporter on this podcast, I knew it wasn't that time yet because right after those three three drives. The following three drives, we had 215 yards. So the offense started picking up real quick. So just your thought on that real quick. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was abysmal in the first quarter. And like I said, I was screaming, bench him, bench him, bench him after, uh, you know, the first quarter. And I was getting some support um, within my section. Um, But he turned it on in the second half. But the game, you know, the game was – we got our money's worth. You know, it's the second time I've been to a – um, an overtime game in person, the Jets-Titans um, game two years ago when me, you, and Sal were there, went in the overtime. Um, but it was a great game, and a couple things that stuck out to me were um, the defense, obviously. Jeffrey Simmons is just phenomenal. He really is. I mean, he is a generational-type talent. Um, I think it's only going to be a matter of time before he is the best defensive tackle in the league. Aaron Donald's time is coming to an end. There's Chris Jones, there's Quentin Williams, but in my opinion, no one really compares to the, the strength and raw power and tenacity of, of Jeffrey Simmons and just the violence that which he plays with is just it, it's really stands him, you know, apart from the rest, in my opinion. And one of my favorite offseason pickups, Aziz Al Shair, has been all over the place. He really has. It was seemed like every other play, the um, over the loudspeaker, they're saying and Aziz Al Shair with the tackle. Uh, he was he was great. Um, our secondary tends to scare me a little bit. It has definitely seemed to be the the weak point of our of our defense right now. But we were without Christian Fulton, who I'm just about done with him. I said last year, um, soft tish, soft tish. We call soft tish, man, and I'm done with the soft tish. Let some other team deal with that. I said in the off season that should he struggle to stay on the field early. Um, don't be surprised if we try to move him for some draft capital. Uh, so we were without him, you know, which is difficult because he is a starter, even though he can't stay on the field. We were without uh, Monty Hooker. That was tough as well. Um, but Trey Avery, um, he was targeted a lot, and he caught some slack. He did. I mean, they targeted him a lot. But 15 he also, times. Yeah. I'll also give him some credit for stepping in and making some some decent plays as well. Yep. Um, you know, it's not easy when you're 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 being targeted all the time and you're not going against the receiving core that is lacking talent. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are one of the better duos in the league. And John Mike. Johnson, too. He's another and big John- guy, too. Oh, yeah. They got Parham, they have Everett. I mean, it's it's yep. not an offense that lacks um skill positions around the quarterback. So, you know, I give him credit for stepping up. Murphy Bunting had some good, had some bad. I saw Sal hating on him a little bit, but he had a very key breakup. I believe it was in the fourth quarter, maybe even overtime, where he came in last minute and swatted the ball away. It was uh, a deep ball, I want to say Mike Williams, along the uh, Chargers sideline. He had a phenomenal breakup. Byard had a phenomenal um, stuff to player on, on third down it was to cause a fourth down at a certain point in the second half. You know, we know what we're getting out of him. 
that defensive line is ferocious. I mean, Autry is might be the the it is the best free agent signing that oh, John yeah. Robinson gave us. I mean, 100%. he drafted yeah he drafted the likes of Simmons and Byard and Henry, but free agent signings he missed on a lot of them. And I give him credit because he took chances. You know, I have nothing against that. But Danico Autry, my God, has he seemed to be really a revelation? And I'll tell you what, re-sign him now. Don't waste any time. I think his deal is up at the end of the year. Sign him now. Give him a, give him the, whatever ten, twelve million a year. I think he is entirely worth. It. And he's up. He's up there in age too, and he's still playing the way he's playing. That's it's he's absolutely incredible. Aside from uh, Jeffrey Simmons, he's the best pure defensive lineman we have. We're not talking like edge talent here. That's a little different. But as far as being a guy in the middle that can make a difference, man, he is all over the place. Even and someone like Tahir Tart, got to give a lot of credit to, had just a sick uh, swim move on a player in the uh, on one of their lines. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I think in the second half and uh, tackled the running back for a loss. So this defensive line is going to be a problem all year. I really believe that. And hopefully we get healthier in the secondary and hopefully they not only get healthier, but improve upon, you know, what they've um, showed us so far, because I was a little worried at the end of the game that, um, you know, they were, they went down the field fast. And I thought like Swiss cheese, man. It's like, it feels like every week a a team does that to the defense just goes right down. I knew that the field goal was coming in my opinion. I said, they're going to tie this game. We're going to overtime. When it was 17, 14 and my friends will admit to it. I turned to them and I said, 24, 24, we're going into overtime. You just watch. And, um, you know, not to pat myself on the shoulder, but I will, you know, I called it, I felt it. And, um, you know, luckily we won the game in overtime. And uh, it was a great game. It was it was a fun experience. Um, the crowd was noisy, although, like every other time I've been to a Titans game in Nashville, there's always opposing, team, um, opposing teams, fans there. So, you know, you hate to see that sometimes because there's there was times during the game where we were just deflated and it seemed like their fan base kind of took over um, for certain points during the game. Um, noise-wise. Um, but other than that, offensively uh, was atrocious uh, early. Like, I think we had one first down for uh, – actually, I don't think we had any first downs in the first quarter. I think First we only, three drives was rough. Yeah, yeah, I think we only had seven yards. Um, you know, and, and we'll elaborate it on, on it more because I want to hear what you and Sal had to say because I didn't get to watch the, um, the live show. You know, Tannehill did look better, but he still looks very statuesque in the pocket, whereas if – if, if the offensive line is pushed back um, and, and disrupts his pocket, he just stands still. Like, he doesn't try to move east and west. He doesn't step up in the pocket. It seems like he stands there and just ends up taking the sack. Um, I'll give him credit. That pass to Traylon Burks is what turned the momentum around, um, which is hilarious, too, because DeAndre Hopkins was wide open in the middle of the field where we could have gained the easy 30, 40 yards um, but he decided to chuck it to Traylon, and I mean, it seemed like that ball was in the air for a minute. 
And it, it was been... it was technically the longest throw and the longest airtime of any quarterback so far this I, this year. So it's crazy. That. I saw that stat, and Traylon came down with it, and it was a, a beautiful pass. And it seemed like the momentum changed after that. Uh, and I'll tell you what, um, Tim Kelly seems like he's uh, he's in his bag, man. He's he's getting creative. Um, I give him credit. It's a breath of fresh air um, that we scored as many points as we did in any game we did last year, but we did it in week two this year. Yeah. So we already eclipsed our highest scoring total from all of last year, just two weeks into this season. So it seems like we're getting good things out of him. Um, we're using Tajay Spears a little more than I thought, but did I not say that? Did I not say this kid is going to see the field early? He is, but he's he's seen it way too much, in my opinion, right now. He's out. He was he out um, gained. Touch. He he out touched uh, him in week one, and now he yeah. almost out touched him. I think no, he didn't out touch him. Uh, uh, he touched him thirty times. Nine. Yeah, but he had touched it twenty nine times, Henry. So it was a little different game plan. But listen, Tajay Spears is going to break one. He's and he's going to be like lightning. When it yeah. comes out of the backfield, one of these one of these weekends. But me and Sal last week, I know you didn't get to watch the live, but me and Sal, we talked about how. Well, I, I'm going to talk about it, how I want to just throw Week One out the window, just because it's Week One. It was preseason Week Four. We all got on Tannehill. Tannehill. He said he was going to step up. He did. Now let's see what he does going into a very tough environment and the, with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and if he does it uh, against the Browns and he comes back a Week Four against the, the Bengals, I'm going to say he's back. Okay, because he had a really, really good game um, uh, from the second quarter going on. And, and you've seen even in the second half this week how everything started changing. He started rolling out of the, little, the pocket a little bit more, how, how Tim Kelly started scheming up plays. He wasn't in the in the statue in the pocket as much. Yes, that needs to change. I don't know what happened to that because in 19 and 20. more play action as well. Yes, that and, and like um, – um, Tyler said from Tic Tac Titans, he said that, yeah, he's getting older, so he's not going to be able to uh, do, do the mobility as much. But my man still had Tanner wheels, and he had that little option. He ran. That was a what was your, play what was your thought? We tried to get in the video. What was your thought on that when he ran it in? Because I said to myself, holy shit, Salvini must be going nuts after, after that. I mean, first off, it was a phenomenal play call, which only, you know, like I just said yeah. – Shout out Tim Kelly. I mean, he's been diving into that 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 bag pretty deep the first few weeks. Um, phenomenal play call. I actually thought he was going to pitch it, to be honest with you, in live yeah. action. I thought he was going to pitch it because it seemed like Henry um, would have could have just moonwalked into the end zone. But he need, he needed that for all the doubters, though. I, I was just going to say. I think in his head, last second, he said, "F it, I'm holding on to this. I'm lower my shoulder. I want the fans here who." have doubted me of late to know that I'm still committed and I will lay my hat on the line for this team. And I give him credit for doing that. Um, it was a phenomenal play call, and I'd love to see more creativity like that. Nothing like a little option play with your 260-pound lineman, uh, I mean, 260-pound running back um, there to be able to pitch the ball to should you need. Um, so phenomenal play call. I love that. And, uh, yeah, he stepped up. He did. But guess what? It's a long year, and I'm not trying oh, yeah. to sound pessimistic. I'm not trying to doubt him. But I would love for him to keep this up the rest of the year. Absolutely. And I will gladly eat my words with that picture because I already got people making fun of me, posting pictures of themselves underneath the Tannehill banner saying, 
he's great, he rocks, this, yeah, that, yeah. But like I said, I would love, I would like I told Sal and everybody, I would love everybody who 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 like thought that was like crazy, come on our show and have a have a conversation with us because it's we're funny, not those kind of guys. We're we're the funny guys that make everything funny because we want to win too. Because deep down in our hearts right now, we want that Super Bowl trophy as much as you guys do. So yeah, laugh, yeah, laugh a little bit, a little bit. And and here's the thing too with that. Am I not allowed to be critical of a fan? You Absolutely want your not. team to win a hundred percent. I want Tannehill to be the best quarterback in the league. I've supported him. I think not maybe as much as you, but you know, within my friend group and people that know me where I'm from, you know, I've always said, you know, he's a middle tier guy who, when he plays at his best, can be a top ten to top twelve guy. But at his worst, he could be you know, a guy who's around the 20 spot when it comes to ranking quarterbacks. Um, so I'm in his corner. I want him to do well. I take him for what he is, though. I think he's a, a mediocre quarterback who, when given the opportunity with players around him, can succeed. And if not, he's going to struggle. He's not necessarily going to win you many games on his own, but sometimes you feel like he, he'll he definitely proved it on. He definitely proved it yeah. on Sunday, though. For sure. Well, my whole thing before I would go on a tangent with that picture is am I not allowed to be critical? You know, there's people Absolutely saying, don't, don't bring that energy. You're not a real fan. You're not this. You're that. You know, this ain't it, man. What, what, what do you want me to do? Like sit there and say like, that his performance, not only week one, but the last two years has been anything other than abysmal, let's say, really. I mean, it's been god awful the last few years. So excuse me for having a little passion of being fed up with them. Um, so I, I understand the hate I got, but I really wish people would be more understanding with the fact that, you know, that is my personality. I'm a smart Alec. And also I'm allowed to be critical of anyone I want. I don't care who you are. You know, we've all called out players in the past, coaches in the past. So, you know, forget what everyone's Todd, Todd Downing, Todd Downing, forget about, wait, listen, Sal's been critical of Rabel more than anybody, you know, no one's really, no one's really safe. And I think that's fair as a fan, you have a right. To voice your opinion, when you're spending money on jerseys, signed jerseys, banners, you're supporting that team financially. So if I, I feel like I have the right to speak my opinion no matter what. But when I spend my hard-earned money, you know, showing them love with signed jerseys and cards and banners and going to games and spend thousands of dollars on my bachelor party. So be better believe I'm going to say what's on my mind. Granted, I didn't think that picture was going to take off the way it did. <laughs> I think we're at 170,000 views on it. Um, but it will be a, a great picture throughout the season um, when things are going good, when things are going bad, when we yeah. want to mess with people on Twitter. Um, but I'm proud of what he did. I'm proud that he stepped up. And, um, you know, he, he kind of realized probably that it's now or never because I think if he would have continued that game, the rest of the game, like the way the four, first quarter went, he would have been. He would have been. This Rabel would have made the decision already that we would have been going with Malik Week Three. Had we lost that game, and Tannehill, you know, had an awful game. So he realized what was on the line. He stepped up, and um, players around him stepped up as well. I mean, let's talk about Chris. Uh, is it Chris Hubbard, our right tackle? Is that his first I'm name? I'm glad. I'm glad you you segued into the offensive line. What Cleveland Browns diamond in the rough we found? I think MPF might be. Uh, might have lost his job. I mean, if he keeps it up, he has looked absolutely phenomenal. I was looking at, um, you know, his stats the last couple of weeks. I think it's only one QB pressure. Um, I don't think any sacks, just holding it down on the right side. Shout out Dylan Radunes, too, coming in. Thank you. 
first game off the ACL since last year looked great. Um, and I, I think you might be right, Jared. I think as time goes on, you've alluded to it in the past, this offensive line will, you know, play cohesively, will gel. Yes, that's the word I was looking for, will gel. And hopefully, you know, if, if they gel, it's going to make our boy Tannehill's life a whole lot easier. It's going to allow Tim Kelly's um, uh, repertoire to really expand because if you're giving your quarterback more time, you can get more creative with the play call. Um, uh, and listen, we did this without Skaronsky too. We did yeah, this without Skaronsky too. We were without two starting players in our secondary and our three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and our first round pick of this year. So three starting caliber players who are all worthwhile, in my opinion. Um, so it's it's it, it was a positive step, and I think it's what Titans fans needed to see um, week two. And uh, we called it. That would be the most Titans thing ever to win this game. It really was after week one. Yeah. We we honestly should bet their games every week because they're so predictable. I mean, <laughs> you know when they're going to win. You know when they're going to lose. And, um, you know, but I've been ranting and raving, and I appreciate you for allowing me to do that because – You, you missed the show. Yeah, I was in the – I was at the game live. I tried to get – you tried got to get me on during FaceTime after. But right before the um, – Nick Folk went on the field, and I mean literally right before he went on the field that the game-winning kick, a monsoon went over the stadium, and it lasted from that play to about an hour after the game. And me and my and me and Blaze, my buddy Blaze, were um, trying to find an Uber, and um, you know we were just in torrential downpours, and the streets down there are all clogged and blocked off, and it was a mess, but um, it was well worth it, and I know. You couldn't get me on FaceTime because I was had no service. It was pouring. But um, you know, what did you and Sal think of the game? Tell me, tell me about that, and um, you know, what your thoughts were on specific players, and you know, the game in and of itself. Just real quick with the game, like I said, you know, obviously it was a thriller. We knew it was going to happen. Defense stepped up and everything. But really, I really wanted to talk about the offensive line because you segued right into it. And Dylan Ray Dunes, man, he came in the first play after Newman gave up that sack. And the first play, if you if you look back, he drove a guy back eight yards, pancaked the hell out of him. Dude, I can't tell you enough how much, like Vrabel says, he's putting in so much work this offseason from his ACL that he needs to play. And right now we have a guy, if you, if we all want to be critical of players, can we be critical of players? I don't know. Sometimes we can't be. But, the, you know, we're going to be critical right now of our left tackle with yeah. Dillard. He's not playing up to par right now. So you know what I would do? Plug in Skaronsky right back in his spot at, at uh, left left guard and put Ray Dunes at um, left tackle because he played very well against uh, Nick Bosa two years ago when we played the uh, 49ers. So yeah. I would give him a shot right there, okay, because that, that solidifies more of the offensive line. You have Dillard and you have MPF, God forbid anything happens. So is that okay for calling, uh, you know, for somebody's head at, at week three going into the Browns against Miles Garrett? Now, in college, the Redunes play on the left side or the right? I think he played on the right side. But, like you said, he stepped up for Taylor Lewan and played left tackle, and he played really good. Yeah. So why not give him a shot if Dillard is struggling a little bit? I mean, he's a big man. It is week three going into week three. Uh, the offensive line still has to gel. Like I said, I'm a big fan of it later on in the season. So we'll see about that. Uh, that's enough for the Chargers game because we, we could talk about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. I just want to touch a little bit on it, sprinkle a little bit on the Cleveland Browns game before our next show on Thursday night. Um, so there was a lot of injuries last week, uh, last night against the Steelers with the Browns. 
Nick Chubb snapped his leg in half. It was very uh, gruesome injury. Um, prayers to him because we don't want to see nobody get hurt. But that was that was as brutal as Theismann's back in the day. I couldn't I couldn't even watch it. It was disgusting. Um, so you know, pray, prayers up to him for a speedy recovery because uh, he's going to need it. Um, another one. Looking at my phone really quick. Um, Denzel Ward, one of their top cornerbacks, he left uh, went to the locker room with an injury. Greg Newsom suffered an arm injury. He walked off the field. He's really banged up. So Darius uh, Smith, he got hurt. Um, the Browns are banged up coming in uh, to Sunday. Uh, they have a home game, obviously, but it's a short week, technically a short week against uh, uh, the Titans. How do you see them pairing up after this brutal loss to the Steelers against us? I mean, like I said, we can call every Titans game, and I get nervous for the fact that it seems like everything's going our way now. Now it seems like everything's too good to be true. We should be getting Skaronki back. We should be getting Fulton and Hooker back. We're going into a um, going into Cleveland to play a team that had just lost significant players on both sides of the ball. So as much as I want to love to say things have fallen onto, um, you know, fallen in favor of us, don't let this Titans team ever get you too excited because right when you get high, they'll bring you right back down. That's not me being pessimistic. We should win this game. Absolutely. Deshaun Watson is looking like a complete head case. I don't know what his deal is. He is not the player he was yep. in Houston anymore. Uh, he's talent-wise, he looks like he's taking a step back. It looks like mentally he's not there. He, he did some you know irrational things last night. Their whole team is is banged up. Um, their defense is is solid though. Miles Garrett is is one of the best um, defensive players in the whole league, in my opinion. And we'll have our hands full with him. But we should win this game. Um, you know, I, I think um, last week was a sign of what maybe this offense is capable of. And um, one thing I forgot to mention though, and um, you know, I know I, I think Sal said something about can we get DeAndre Hopkins the ball more? Well, I'll tell you what, um, not to call out Sal or anything, but he has 18 targets through two weeks. God bless. Wouldn't we have loved to see that with Julio Jones? I mean, he's if, if all- he stayed on, if he stayed on the field, though. Yeah, no, I'm with you, but he didn't practice all week. No. He had a he had a huge catch in overtime, the biggest catch of the game, in my opinion. And Tannehill was a great throw too. Um, so he'll be fine. I give him credit for playing at less than 100%. But we're trying to get him involved early and often. I mean, 18 targets through two weeks. That's nine targets a week over the course of, you know, a 17-game season. That's, you know, 153 targets, I want to say, if my math's correct. Can Sammy check that for me? Nine times 17, I think, is 153. <laughs> so if we're going to target him 153 times throughout the course of, of the season, then that's what we brought him in for. So shout out to DeAndre Hopkins for suiting up at a less than hundred percent and shout out Tim Kelly for scheming, um, you know, plays to get him the ball. That being said, not to backtrack, we should beat Cleveland. Um, I do have another shout out to Nick Folk. I mean, what a godsend. Uh, <laughs> I, sh- I, sh- I shouted him out. Sal crucified me on the live because I said, I'm going to knock on wood real quick again. Because I said I don't sweat when I, when he comes on the field anymore. Because how many years have we been sweating kicks? Uh, I mean, he was. And he's like, that's a, that's a kiss of death. I understand it's a kiss of death, but it's so refreshing. I took the words right out of your mouth. I said it's refreshing to know that the kick 
I don't want to well, say I mean, listen, right five for five week one, and then last and then yesterday, what was he with extra points and everything included? Three for three. So eight for eight, nine for nine, maybe um on he extra is. points, no goals. So he he hasn't mixed missed a kick, and um, you know, you feel like why couldn't we have done this just like a while? Yeah, he was he was two for two and three for three on extra yeah. points. Yeah, so I mean, listen. Good for him. He is what we needed. Like you said, you don't want to jinx it, but like I said, I don't want to backtrack, but I had to shout out my boy Nick Folk. Um, by the way, nine times seventeen is one fifty-three. And Sammy, Sammy called me smart man. So I appreciate that, Sammy. <laughs> um, Yo, uh, th- listen, talking about the Browns a little bit more, the one thing that scares me is um this this Ford kid, six point six yards per carry, yeah. stepping in for uh, Nick Chubb. Um, yeah. I, I personally am not really worried that much. I mean, I just said I was a little bit, but our defensive front, I think, is going is gonna to hold him. We just held um, Kelly to 60-something yards. No yeah. one's running on this team. I'm going to knock on wood after the show. Yeah. No one's running on I this agree. team this year. We have a ferocious front that they're just going to force us to pass the ball, and we're just going to uh, attack the quarterback. So and I'm not I- worried about that. The one thing that I'm worried about, though, and I, I said it to my wife, who has who looked at me like I had five heads last night laying in bed. I said, man, the Browns scare me. Their defense scares me. Jim Schwartz scares me. He knows yeah. us so well. Vrabel knows him. So Vrabel knows what he's going to scheme up because he's been with us for two years, and, he, you know, uh, Things like that scare me going into games like this, as we we should win, like you said. But when you have somebody that was in your back pocket for two years and knows everything about your players and know, you know, that this guy can't cut this way, this guy can't shoot the A-gap uh, this way, this guy, you know, is a terrible three technique when he shoots, all that stuff scares me a little bit. So what do you, what do you think? I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, we should, we should win this game. We really should. I think the formula is to get in Deshaun Watson's face early and often – and force that head case to make a couple mistakes, and then I think we've won the game. If we can get in his head early, um, you know, that disgusting, you know, excuse of a human being, Deshaun Watson, let's call it what it is. Um, I think that if we can get in his head early and often force him to make some mistakes, um, then I uh, I think we could we should win this game. You know, I'm not really scared of, of their run game. Uh, Jim Schwartz, yes, but at the end of the day, you know, you want to compare head coaches. You know, I think the head coaches will want us this game in week two. And Vrabel, in my opinion, is a, is a top five head coach in this league. And I think he will outsmart not only Jim Schwartz, but Kevin Stefanski as well. And uh, I'm not worried. We should win this game. But just when we say we should win this game and we're not worried, it would be the most Titans thing to make it just a, a close, ugly game that potentially – Sometimes we come up on the wrong side of it, but hopefully this past week was a sign of things to come. Our offense stays rolling, and, um, you know, we won't put our predictions out there yet. We'll get there on uh, our next show, but I feel confident going to this game, not only because are they going to be undermanned, but I feel like we might have figured it out, you know, pretty quickly offensively. It was nice to see a jump from 15 points to 27 in one week. And listen, we could be 2-0 just as easily as we're 1-1. One one. If a few different things go our way week one, we could be 2-0 right now. So I'm not scared of the Browns. Um, but the fact that I'm not scared of them and I think we should win also scares me, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely, man. And we're going to save some of the rest of that for Thursday's show that's dropping on Friday. So, guys, uh, once again, appreciate you guys for listening. If you guys can just rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, same thing with Spotify and obviously YouTube where you're watching right now. Um, hit the like, subscribe, you know, tell all your friends about us. And uh, tune into our next show Thursday night. We have our sick picks, our locks of the weeks, and our game predictions. So until next time, guys, tighten up. And Sammy, send us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast, Talking Titans, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.